Hi, I'm Ryan Becker, and you're listening to the Rock Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church Official Sermon Archive. You can find more information about our church at www.rockhillsdachurch.org. We hope by listening to this message that you are encouraged and challenged in your walk with Christ. But that other fellow, the other learned man, he did nothing, nothing at all, shameful. (coughs) Finally, one day, the hardworking teacher had all he could take. He said, friend, I do not understand. Why do you just sit there waiting? How can you do nothing for this poor, simple soul? The other man listened thoughtfully. Then finally he spoke. He said, my friend, I understand that you have been working hard. I understand what you have been trying to do. Now understand me. In my waiting, I have been working too. You see, in this darkness, I fear, though you teach this poor soul, you will teach him nothing. No matter how many years you try, In this darkness, he can learn nothing of value at all. And so I sit here thinking, how might I break a hole in that wall? How might I let the light into this prison? And when that happens, my friend, this man can learn for himself all that he needs to know. And so it is with many men, we sit in complete darkness, ignorant of the fact that we can learn nothing in the absence of God's light. Only the light of God can change a man. We must know that in our own lives there is a greater light that is yet to break forth. Imagine a man walking through the forest and There are rays of sun that are beaming through the trees. And as he walks through the forest, he enjoys the light. But soon as the man continues to walk, he comes to a clearing in the fullness of the sun. Arouses his face. It's like that with us. We have been exposed to a certain amount of light in our lives, 
but there is even greater light for us to yet discover. I hope that in our lives we are continuing to reach for that light. But this morning, I want to expound on this idea of darkness. It is said that 400 years before the birth of Christ, that God did not communicate with man as he had beforehand. That the earth grew exceedingly dark in the absence of God's great light. I want to remind you of what it was during the time right before the return of Christ. Can you imagine not having the communication with God? What, what the conditions were during that period of time? The voice of God was silent, but yet there was a promise of a Redeemer to come. In fact, we, we read that in the book of Isaiah, the ninth chapter in the sixth and seventh verses, God's great promise. I want to tie this into the Christmas season this morning. I want you to know what I think about when I think about Christmas. When I see the Christmas lights, it reminds me of the light of God's promise. The light of God's promise which says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. There was a promise that a redeemer would come to this dark earth and that he would reconcile lost man to a loving father. In the book of John, if you'll turn over to John chapter 1, I love this passage and I've read it many times, but it, it further illustrates the darkness that man was living in and that man continues to live in today. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth into darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man 
that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to them that believe upon his name. God sent a light into the world to be the light of men and to enlighten every man. The Bible tells us that we did not receive him, but to those who did, he gave the power to become the children of God. When I think about the lights, and I love driving around at night and looking at all of the beautiful lights. The lights of Christmas remind me of the promise of our Father, that he is going to send a light into this dark world. And when I think about those lights during Christmas time, I think about this promise that God has given to each of us, in fact, to all of mankind. Luke chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Born on that day, which we celebrate around Christmas every year, Emmanuel, Savior, God with us, the beautiful promise of a light that would enter into this world. And at Christmas time, when I think about the nativity scene, it reminds me of the humbleness and the humility of the greatest king, whoever there was or ever will be. Unlike so many who today beat on their chest and point to themselves, their wealth and their possessions, Jesus he came in humility. At Christmas, we're reminded of our king's humility. There in the book of Luke, in the second chapter, there in the seventh verse, the word of God says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. She laid him in a feed trough because there was no room for them in the inn. A humble Savior. This light that God sent to mankind to illuminate our darkness. He came in a humble form, laid in a feed trough. I think about the nativity scene at Christmas time, and it reminds me that we should be humble. It reminds me that our Savior is not only loving, but he is gentle. He's full of humility. Christmas is also a time when many people try to fill their emptiness with material possessions. 
And instead of focusing on the nativity where Jesus is, they stare and gaze at the shining wrappings of the gifts beneath the tree. I want to talk about where our treasure lies. There once was a poor God-fearing man who lived in the city of Prague. One night he dreamt that he should journey to Vienna. And there at the base of the bridge leading to the king's palace, he would find a buried treasure. Night after night, the dream recurred until... Leaving his family behind, he traveled to Vienna to claim his fortune. The bridge, however, was heavily guarded. The watchful eyes of the king's soldiers afforded little opportunity to retrieve the treasure. Every day, the poor man spent hours pacing back and forth across the bridge, waiting for his chance. After two weeks' time, one of the guards grabbed him by the lapels of his coat and demanded strongly, Man, what are you plotting? Why do you keep returning to this place day after day? Frustrated and anxious, he blurted out the story of his dream. When he finished, the soldier, who had been containing himself, broke into uncontrollable laughter. The poor man looked on in astonishment, not knowing what to make of the man's attitude. Finally, the king's guard caught his breath. He stopped laughing long enough to say, What a foolish man you are believing in dreams. Why, if I let my life be guided by visions, I would be well on my way to the city of Prague. For just last night I dreamt that a poor man in that city has buried in his cellar a treasure which awaits discovery. The poor man returned home. He dug in his cellar and found the fortune. Upon reflection, he thought, the treasure was always in my possession. Yet I had to travel to Vienna to know of its existence. And so too, and so often, and so many times, we are also spiritually impoverished, traveling, searching for things, until finally recognizing that our Savior has been with us all of the time. And so at Christmas time, I love to sit and look at the nativity and remember the promise of God, to remember the light of his promise, and to remember that that is where our treasure lies, not beneath the tree, wrapped in shining paper, but in our hearts. And he is with us every day. So the lights at Christmas, it reminds me of the lights of God's promise and that Jesus is the light of the world. The nativity reminds us of a humble king and how he entered into this world. And the gifts beneath the tree are symbolic and should remind us that Jesus is the greatest gift of all.
The final thing that I want to mention this morning is the star on the Christmas tree. Turn with me in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. I get someone to read verses 14 through 18. Genesis 1, verse 14 through 18. God made the lights with a purpose of dividing our night from day so that we would have a calendar. We'd be able to know a month from month and year from year. He made one light to govern the day and one for the night. There was an intention and a purpose for the lights that he hung in the sky. But this light... This star was different. In Matthew chapter 2, in verse 9 we read, When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. The Christ star it. It represents God's desire to have reconciliation with man. The Christ star was leading the Magi to the birthplace of their Redeemer. When I think about that star atop of the Christmas tree, I think about reconciliation. I think about how those who were searching for Christ was led to the place where he would be. I know that as Adventists, we don't claim Christmas as a Christian holiday. But Christmas is a time where many people are searching. Many people are looking for answers. Many people have lost loved ones and are depressed and are grieving and have emptiness. And it's such a great time to share our Christian belief. It's such a great time to share the gospel story. It's such a beautiful time to look at all of the symbolism and to be reminded of why we serve, of why we love our Savior and all that he's done for us. 
the star led those who were searching to the one who could save them. Matthew 1 and 21 says, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This time of year is so significant. Even though it is not ours to claim, there's never a time not to claim Jesus Christ. There's never a time not to celebrate who he is and how he came to this earth. I want to read one last short story to you. And it's called The Last Hour. A teacher had three students and he posed them a question. If you had one hour remaining in your lifetime, what would you do in that one hour? The first one read and studied, then answered the question. He said, I would spend that hour studying the Bible. The second one closed his eyes, then answered the question. I would spend that hour in the ecstasy of prayer. The third one looked at the teacher, then answered the question, I would spend that hour loving my family. The teacher looked at his students. He rubbed his beard and smiled. Each of you have given a deep and a holy answer. The students turned to the teacher and asked him the question, What would you do in your last hour? Me? I would spend that hour doing what I'd been doing. Doing what I'd been doing for all of life is sacred. The teacher looked at the students. He rubbed his beard and smiled, and he said, Doing what I had been doing for all of life is sacred. Live for each moment and appreciate every second recognizing that all of life is a gift of God. All of life is a gift of God. The good and the bad, the big and the small, the important things and the things that are not so important at all. All of life is a gift of God. I think if we pay attention to the teacher's teaching, and we meditate upon what he's saying. Every interaction, all of our existence is meaningful to him. Sometimes we are only in a spiritual place when we are in his house. God wants us to think about him in our interaction with people everywhere that we are. Things that don't necessarily interest us or we find to be dull and boring or unimportant. God's there too. I pray that at this Christmas season that as you 
go through these next couple of weeks, that you will think about the meaning for the season and that you will find your own things that remind you of the Christmas story, that remind you of God's greatest gift, his greatest sacrifice. I don't know what those things are to you, but I hope you spend time reflecting on them. And I hope it draws you back to the real reason why he came. Man is in darkness, and he's the light of the world.